Hi everybody, thanks a million for joining us today. I'm so delighted to be joined by Anne-Marie. So Anne-Marie is a primary school and special education teacher. Anne-Marie, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, Una, for having me. No bother at all. So today we'll look at just a wide range of topics, some of Anne-Marie's experience and hopefully some tips and tricks for parents and definitely teachers, obviously working with students, you know, with different backgrounds and different educational needs. So I mean, maybe you give us a little bit about your own background and how you kind of ended up in this space initially. So I am a primary teacher here in Dublin and I work in an infant school. So that's a little bit different. There's eight infant schools in Ireland. Um, we have junior infants, senior infants and first class. So we're quite specialised. Um, and I, after my primary teaching, I did a master's in Trinity in special education with really an emphasis. I think the course is now called Masters in Education and Inclusion and Diversity. So a real emphasis on really true inclusion and doing your best to include all students in the classroom. So at the moment I'm working um, as a set teacher and working mainly with junior, senior infants and first class. And I also uh, tutor with the Dyslexia Association. Very good. Great. Well, I suppose a wide range of experiences from, from people that you work with. And I suppose for that younger age group, Anne-Marie, what would you think would be, I know there's probably many, many things that would help, but let's say in a day-to-day -day classroom setting first, what would you think would be the main things maybe for, for other teachers, you know, under time constraint or, you know, in a classroom dynamic and there's so many other children with, with different demands? What would you think would be the main things that have helped you previously handle situations or work with students with, with different learning needs? Um, I suppose looking at the whole child, firstly, you know, when we're working with the infant setting, routine is number one. Number two is that it's a playful environment. Um, and then if we're talking specifically about dyslexia and literacy, I think I've really moved towards the science of reading and really a good understanding of more purposeful or effective literacy instruction. Um, so really, I think CPD is so important for teachers to keep on top. But in my master's, um, I really got interested in universal design for learning. And I think using universal design for learning or UDL really ensures that all students are provided for in the classroom. And it's not actually UDL isn't just for children with special educational needs. It's actually um, a way of teaching all children and everyone benefits from UDL. Very good. So I suppose for any of the people tuning in or even parents that maybe aren't familiar of a UDL approach, maybe if you could give us some basic examples as what that looks like, you know, in a teaching environment. Well, I suppose when we talk about UDL, it actually comes from universal design, which is actually architecture. So that is how I think you explain UDL. Um, if you think of a building, I think in around the 70s, uh, they became more accessible, so they introduced a ramp. So if you think a ramp going into a public building, it's really the purpose of it is for a person with a wheelchair. But lots of people use that ramp. So maybe a mother with a buggy or a pushchair uses it. Maybe a delivery man carrying large goods is using it. Maybe somebody on crutches. Maybe somebody whose just knee went out that morning. Yeah. Maybe a bicyclist. So lots of people are using that ramp. So it's the idea that making provision for children, it's called front loading. So if your lesson is accessible to everybody, everybody will use it. And I think if people want to know more about UDL, there's, there's two, 
two first steps I take. Um, there's two really good TEDx talks. One is um, The Myth of Average by Todd Rose. And that discusses when we teach to the middle, there's no average person. There's no two people in the world the same. So we're teaching to a myth and we have to question is that an efficient way of teaching? Um, and the second one is anything by Ken Robinson, the idea of creativity. So when you have a UDL designed lesson, it's very accessible. So maybe for example, in, a, in, in an infant classroom, I might be reading a read aloud, but some children maybe would actually do better visually or hearing it in a different way. So I might have a PowerPoint on the background and they can see it visually. Uh, maybe they're listening in a different audio way. Maybe they're using puppets um, and playful, but it's really that everyone is, is accessing it differently. And it's like sometimes I love to read with a, a book sometimes, other times I use Audible, other times I use Kindle. Um, I love webinars. There's something about see, seeing and hearing at the same time works for me. So the idea of we fit in learner profiles isn't true. Um, and, and this idea that lessons are, if everybody is gaining from that lesson, everybody will win. Exactly. Yeah. And I suppose that kind of, you know, not individualistic approach, we're trying to take more of a broader range approach, but making it more accessible for everybody is, is very, very useful. And for some, I suppose, teachers, Anne-Marie, that maybe don't have a lot of time like most teachers um you know strap for time during the school day can there be any let's say short you know tricks or short things that they can integrate in that maybe they feel like isn't working well for them at the moment or that they'd like to change so let's say given your whole school day profile with working with with kids is there any few things that are easily transferable you know for other teachers to do that you know wouldn't take a lot of time for them to implement or wouldn't take a lot of resources uh, one thing I'm finding great at the moment is I suppose is the child ready to learn and are they regulated? So sometimes it can just be, you know, is everyone's sensory needs looked after? And then there's effective learning as opposed to time wasting. Is everyone listening? Are you listening, Johnny? Are you looking at me? Um, that, that's time wasting. So I've actually found the more I've leaned into the importance of well-being, looking at that trauma-informed response, um, having a playful classroom, but starting the classroom, are we all regulated and ready to learn? And that's that's number one. That's the easiest, um, I suppose, in a busy classroom. That would be where I would start. But if I was to look at bringing UDL into the classroom, I would just say there's a really good graphic organiser with all the guidelines. You don't need, there, there can be up to 30. You don't need to bring all of them in. You can look, hmm, what one thing can I do today to make my lesson a bit more accessible? And I always go to choice, giving the children a little choice. Would you like to, you know, respond pictorially or would you like to, to make a written response? Yeah, the images thing for, for anybody with a different way of learning can be often very, very beneficial um, and just easier to compute and to, to illustrate, definitely, and communicate. That's what's so good about Universal Stand for Learning, because I always take, you know, leaving the old Leaving Cert history exam. So you can have a child who knows so much about history, 
but might not want to write three essays in a three-hour period. So what are you assessing there? Are you really assessing, is that a literacy exam or is it a history exam? So as you go up the the ladder, um, not the infant end, but sometimes um, UDL can just be a child, can record a podcast, even take a voice note, um, graphically, make a graphic organiser. So they're showing their knowledge, but maybe just not in an essay format. So it's still... It's still showing their knowledge just in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just illustrated for them a lot, lot easier. So then there's less drain and then there's less, I suppose, tasking and load on them and, you know, to move on to something else. And from a parent perspective, Anne-Marie, I suppose UDL hasn't kind of streamlined that much over really to a parent setting. So if they've you know, more than one sibling and one has a different way of learning and one is more in a mainstream setting or, you know, there's there's siblings with various different ranges of learnings. What would you suggest as how they can kind of transfer some of those UDL mindset thinking to a home context, let's say even with homework? That's a really good question. I like the way you said UDL is a mindset because that is what it is. It's just a lens. It's just a way we think. And you can do that with homework. So, for example, let's say you have a child who has dyslexia and who has been working really hard all day and who's actually reading constantly, even when we don't think we're asking, demanding a child to read. We are in, in simple things like if it's not a visual timetable, they're reading, you know, they're reading in maths. So if you have a child just exhausted um, from reading and that's a cognitive overload, you could, let's say, um, if you had an e-reader of their school book for a comprehension activity, what am I assessing here? Comprehension, not just reading. So you could audio listen to the text and then respond, um, then respond to it work on the comprehension and the same with writing talk to the teacher um if the writing is becoming a difficulty could you type the answers um or even an audio note so really i think it's all about questioning what's the purpose here and if the purpose isn't actually a reading activity then i would listen to an audio or if it's not a handwriting assignment can i leave an audio note or can i type it Yes, the audio notes definitely are a great one. Obviously, it's so widely used now in in day to day interactions and you know workplaces and with among friends. But wouldn't see a lot of that transferred yet um, to the education system. So we wouldn't have a lot of kids um, in primary secondary school that that let's say that's been accepted yet. Do you feel like that would be something that might we move towards, or do you think that that would be? you know, a kind of a natural progression from where we are at now in the education system? I think in the Irish context, we are moving that way. And I think there will be a natural progression because you just mentioned a few minutes there about go about how these things are accepted in the workplace. And I think education will just catch up. Education system, you know, historically was as a response to the Industrial Revolution industries completely changed and the children we're teaching are going to work in industries that haven't even been decided on so yes there 
these being accessible is already allowed in the workplace. So I think education will catch up. And I think in fairness, I do think the Department of Education are moving that way. They've actually mentioned UDL a lot lately. They've, they've When they talked about the full inclusion model, they said that they would do that using UDL. Um, even if you look like at the primary language curriculum, it, it's already using words like motivation, engagement, purposeful. And the, there was a new document last year, a good practice guide for teaching children with um, autism. And that mentions UDL. So definitely UDL is coming. And I think um, there's a whole huge initiative our schools involved at the moment on creative schools. And that idea is linked to the department understanding that the children we're teaching are working in different settings. So I think, I do think in fairness, the department are going that way if you look at you know junior and leaving cert reform I think it is going that way and I think also there is no choice the world is moving that way completely yes obviously more and more people are being assessed and there's more and more you know labels and you know different definitions of everything and anything and I think natural progression is obviously helpful and useful in the current obviously you know change and, and evolution but it's definitely to note that there are still obviously students that very much struggle on a day-to-day basis and unfortunately mm-hmm. they still may go to the end of their education system with not radical change you know mm-hmm. there might be small yeah. shifts every yeah. now and then but at the moment unfortunately the junior session leaving cert will still pre-exist for for many many years mm-hmm. I'm sure to come so it's about I suppose trying to pivot around the current model and and integrate some of the the steps to to help along that path. And, and I think you mentioned earlier, obviously, you talked about teachers being really busy, which it's still, it, it, it just can't be stressed enough. And also you asked about parents, how they can go about it. And I think if a parent knows more about UDL and, and other accessible options, like um, if you go to the teacher and give some suggestions, the teacher might just say, I actually haven't thought of that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So I think you know and it's a hard to put the burden on parents to constantly be advocating for your child um that that isn't an easy task but if you think you know what Johnny actually here could do with this that or the other and saying it to the teacher in a question of what are you looking for here like what actually are you looking for I think you can both come to to a good agreement yeah some element of kind of fostering that collaboration and kind mm. of harnessing that relationship as best as possible and you know some school dynamics there maybe isn't that open approach as much and and then others it's you know so open so it's it's about I suppose understanding the dynamic maybe that the the child and the environment that the school is in and then knowing too that it will change so we do secondary school programs and lots of kids are you know transitioning schools and some schools don't work and it's good to recognize those and then try and seek maybe alternative solutions because you know schools are always capped for resources so if there is a school set up that you know really trying and really trying and it's still really not working then obviously exploring lots of avenues is important without making any rash decisions but yes you know as they move to secondary school or you know a different school that may bring a fresher approach and that might bring a different perspective and create a little less chaos yeah and and it's all about perspective and knowing some things that we demand in the education system I suppose maybe more in second level um 
it doesn't transfer it to workplace. So what's really important here is the child, their well-being and the fake growth mindset that they know that I haven't achieved X, Y, and Z yet, but I can achieve it. Um, so I, I had a a, um, a supervisor when I was doing my master's in Trinity, uh, Dr. P- Patricia McCarthy, and um, she went to a special school. She had a visual impairment, and now um, she's very esteemed in the world of academics. She has her PhD. She's on numerous boards, written books, and Patricia made a, a, a statement once: "It's not my abil- ability that changed; it's my accessibility." And children need to understand that. Yeah, it definitely, as you said, around mindset and kind of that that instilling element of, okay, you know, we try and find a solution and 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 move through things, and then there's only so far you can go with that too. With you know, constant determination and motivation at times do waver, and then you build it back up. Then again, it's a, it's I think creating that balance between you know school often being very very challenging for lots of students. And then creating something additional outside of school where they can, you know, feel a bit more fulfilled or feel a bit more content in their own skin. That's great, Anne-Marie. Listen, thank you so much for all your suggestions. Um, A very good overview of UDL and all your your background and experience. Anyway, listening, if they have any questions, obviously feel free to to get on to us. Um, We're more than happy and we can redirect you to Anne-Marie if we are not able to answer them. Um, But hopefully... That was a little bit of information um, regarding UDL that maybe people didn't know about already. We do have a free booklet on our website at the moment. So www.blossomforlife.com if anybody wants to gain any additional resources or any additional help and useful suggestions. Thanks very much. Thank you, Una.